And you just want to type something, right? So there's no situation that's too far out for God to heal or God to fix. But he, he works through prayer. Amen? All right. Are we live on Facebook this morning, Kevin? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. We're getting ready to go live now. Okay, well, he'll let me know when we're ready, and we'll give a shout-out to everybody on our live audience, as well as Kenneth Beck. I told him we'd give him a shout-out this morning, so don't let me forget. Oh, yeah, Kenneth is doing so much better. He's Where is his bride? She's on the door, Pastor. She's, is she still on the door? Yes. Okay, Miss Irma. Um, her, her husband, Kenneth, of course, broke his leg, um, I guess, about a month ago. Yeah, he shattered his leg, had to have surgery. He's, he's doing so much better. He's begun rehab. They're making him bend it and those kind of things. So we talked to him this morning on the way to church. He's, he's on his way to being able to come back home. Amen. 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 So we're excited about that. He's excited about it too. All right, so everybody has your note sheet? Yes, ma'am. Y'all ready for the word? Yes. All right, so we're just going to honor the word. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and his name is what? Jesus. Jesus. In the beginning was the word. Yeah. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Amen. So we're going to honor the Word, the power of the Word in our lives. It has the power to take us from, from one level to another. It's by the Word that we continue looking in the Word, and we go from glory to glory to glory, yeah. from, from grace to grace, from blessing to blessing. He, he, God takes our life up. Amen. Amen. As we get in His Word, and as we continue in His Word, He says, you'll ask what you will, and it shall be done. Yeah. How's that possible? Because you know His will. When you know His will, you know His ways, you can pray right. Yes, Lord. And He answers prayer. He said, it shall be done, brother. Yes. He said, it shall be done. Amen. If two shall agree together in my name, it shall be done. It shall be done. So, amen. amen. Let's, let's just honor the Word as we hold these up. And let's make a faith declaration. Say this with me. Say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because He has anointed me to hear and apply His Word. I'm about to know better so that I may do better, have better, and be better. I am becoming everything God has destined me to be. I am becoming everything the devil fears I'll be. I'm becoming everything the haters say I could never be. So after today, I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, slap three people, high five, and say it's time to be fruitful. Amen. It's time for fruitfulness. Time to be fruitful. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, God spoke at the beginning of this year and told me this would be a year of tremendous fruitfulness. Last year was about incredible breakthrough. We experienced some incredible breakthrough last year. But that doesn't mean we won't continue experiencing breakthrough this year. We take what we learned last year, we run into 2019, and with this time we're adding our break to our breakthrough fruitfulness. We've broken through so we can bear fruit at this level, right? So we are bearing fruit and that fruit that remains. So let's just review real quickly about tremendous fruitfulness. Number one, God has chosen me for a fruitful life. You've been chosen by God. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, anointed you. I scheduled you. I put you in the earth to bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. John 15, 16. Look here. Jesus is talking. He said, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed, scheduled you, put you in the world so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. 
So he's chosen for us a fruitful life. Not only that he's chosen that for us, but he chose you specifically to have a fruitful life and fruit that remains in your life. That you should that you begin, should begin to bloom where you're planted. Amen. You should begin to grow. Get get off of this this circle or this Ferris wheel that we can go on. You know how we can just get like a what are those things that the mice? What are those called? Mice get on a what kind of wheel is that? Just one of those. A mouse running wheel. <laughs> you know, and he's just running, 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 but going nowhere. God wants us to grow into maturity so we can get somewhere in him. Amen? We can let our light shine. All right? Genesis one twenty seven says, then God did what? Bless them. He blessed them. And then God said to them, be what? Fruitful and multiply. So he wasn't just talking about having babies. He was saying, I want you, I've called you to live a fruitful life. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. He created us to have dominion. And that's part of the fruit that we're supposed to bear, is that we're supposed to have dominion. We're not supposed to be going along, getting beat up by the devil, living a raggedy, tore down, messed up, half nothing life. But God has called us to get up on our feet. And you can get up out of any awful situation and move on from it. I'm convinced that too many people are stuck in what just happened to them. And some people are stuck in stuff that happened 20 years ago. And still fussing about it. you got to learn. That's one of the greatest lessons I've ever learned in my life. And that is to stand up in the ashes of what is left of your life. And know that you still got more going for you than what you had before. Amen? And keep going. Just keep going. Don't stop. Don't quit. If you just keep going, you'll win. But you got to learn how to get up out of what... What could have been an awful situation or, you know, some truly terrible things can happen to us. But that doesn't mean that it's over. It just right. means that chapter is over. All now right. let's, let's, let's turn the page and start a brand new chapter. Yeah. Amen. And we're in charge of writing our lives. Amen. We write it with the pen of our tongue. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. We'll have whatsoever we say. Jesus said that. We'll have whatsoever we say. So we've got to get a vision for better. Yeah. And go for it. Begin to talk it. We're living the life today that we spoke on yesterday. So if you don't like what you're living today, start walking and start talking to what? Tomorrow. Start talking to tomorrow and declare, this is, I am not going to live like this. God, you're going to show me a way out. You're going to show me a way to the next level. Amen. So be fruitful. Have dominion. What is fruitful? It means to be productive, producing good results, abundant growth. So abundant growth. This is a year of these things. Producing, being productive. You know, in Psalm chapter 1, 1 through 3, he says, Blessed is the man, fortunate, to be envied, is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water who brings forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not wither and whatever he does shall prosper. That means that this year you can, can be like that tree. Get yourself planted by the rivers of the water, by the word. And if you begin to meditate day and night, your life will be a prosperous year this year. You'll, God wants you to live whole life prosperity, not just you know in the area of your finances. That's, that's a wrong doctrine right there. But God wants you to prosper in your emotions. Yes. He wants you to, to prosper in wisdom. Yes. So we, in this, this year is a year.
fear of, of gathering ourselves together and moving to a more productive life and to into real, true, whole life prosperity. Somebody say, that's me. John 15, 5, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me, circle that word abides, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. But without me, you can do nothing. I broke this little branch off last week um, off of a bush in our, our yard. And, um, you know, it was real green last week. It looked great. I said, well, I'm just going to leave it for a week and see what happens. You know, this little bush cannot live and bear fruit apart from the rest of the bush. This, right. this little branch is done. Come on, Pastor. You can't do what it's created to do if it's broken off from the, from the source. So we have to stay connected to the source. Ooh, that just reminded me of being a young child. <laughs> Anybody else know what it's like when mama does it, when mama does this? <laughs> Get over here now. <laughs> I got a little shiver. Let me put that that behind my book. (laughs) Praise the Lord. But if we don't abide in Him, we can't produce that kind of fruit. And we'll be broken off like a branch that that just begins to wither. And that's not the kind of life that God wants us to live. John 15, 4. Abide in me, and I in you. There's that word abide again. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. What does abide mean? Remain. Endure without yielding. You got to get the quit out of it. Come on. I got no quit in me. That's why I'm standing here today. Just because, not because I didn't go through some stuff. I have been through hell to get right here. Yeah. But I'm still standing. Why? Because I just was too blind or too dumb to quit. I do determined. Yeah. Anybody else need a don't don't quit sticker this morning? Who hasn't received a don't quit sticker? I always got somewhere to put it. These are just real good to put, you know, I've got one on the inside of my binder. I had one on the inside and the outside. Here, Tamar. If you don't have a don't quit sticker, raise your hand. Because I'm convinced, if you'll just keep going. Jesus is saying if you abide, abide means to remain. If you stay, if you just don't quit, your life is going to begin to bear the fruit that I intended for it to bear. Amen? So just don't quit. Don't quit. Amen. Don't quit. Turn and tell your neighbor say, don't quit. Don't quit. Amen. Don't quit. So number two. So number one. What's number one? Y'all, in concert. What's number one? God's chosen you for what? He's chosen you for a fruitful life. All right, number two. God has empowered me for a fruitful life. God wouldn't choose you and ask you to do something he wasn't going to give you the power to do. So he's empowered you to be fruitful. Everything you need, he's already given it to you. He's given you his word. He's given you the Holy Spirit. He's the gardener in our lives who works with us to empower us for fruitfulness. He is the precious Holy Spirit, our down payment on eternity. Amen? So we don't ever have to be defeated. We don't have to walk in and live a defeated life. But we live an empowered life because we walk with Him. Amen? He walks with us. He's the parakletos. That's in, in, um, in the original Greek. He's the, the helper, the comforter, the teacher, the guide. Parakletos means the one called alongside to help. So you've got a gardener in your camp. Amen. Who's got the right fertilizer? Who's ready to water you as long as you stay connected? Amen? Amen. John 15, 1 through 2. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. 
Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now, you have to really study the Bible. And I think this year we are really becoming uh, studiers of the Bible. We had 18 in our Firm Foundation class last week. I'm not sure what she had, this, what she had today. Oh, she had eight today. But we have a whole class of people that are getting ready to move into leadership development. So many so we have to have two teachers. Hallelujah. Ain't nobody mad but the devil. <laughs> two teachers for leadership development. We're raising up pillars. Amen. Amen. Getting you planted by the rivers of water and getting you ready. Um, amen. So, so that word takes away, it doesn't mean takes away. It says in every branch that bears fruit, he proves that it may bear more fruit. But takes away means to lift up. Yeah. To raise up. So he's not looking around for somebody who's not bearing fruit so he can just get rid of them. No, that's against the very nature of God. He's a delivering God. He's a Savior. He raises us up. 1 Samuel 2.8 says he puts poor people on their feet again. Come on, Pastor. He rekindles burned out lives with fresh hope. Yes. Underline fresh hope. Yes. That's for somebody today. Burned out lives. He rekindles it with, with fresh hope. hope. Restoring dignity and respect to their lives. A place in the sun. He lifts you up and then he shines a light on you. Look what the Lord has done. Psalm 145.14. The Lord helps those who've been defeated and takes care of those who are in trouble. That sounds like my God right there. Psalm 3.3. But the Lord, Lord, you are my shield, my glory, and my only hope. You alone can lift my head. Hallelujah. So he's a God who comes and lifts you up. If you're not bearing fruit, that's what he's doing today. He's lifting you up. Amen. Amen. Number three, a fruitful life grows out of the soil of a surrendered heart. A surrendered heart. Now that's what coming into the kingdom is all about. Jesus, take the wheel. You are the Lord. That's a word that we don't really use. He's the Lord. He's the one in charge. He's the one that's leading me. My life is no longer my own. I've been bought with a price. I belong to him. So my heart has to be surrendered. And this is something you've got to do not only day by day, but sometimes hour by hour, minute by minute. Wait a minute. I can't do that. I belong to God. A surrendered heart. A heart that's tender towards him. Tender towards his voice. I need to hear his voice. We get our conscience seared with a hot iron. We go against him. Go against him and ignore him and ignore him. That's a dangerous place to be. But we need to hear. We need to hear him. And surrender. Constantly surrender to him. Luke 22, 42. no, No greater words were ever spoken. Everything hung in the balance. Jesus was in the garden and he was praying. He was knows he's about to get arrested. He knows he's about to take on all the sin of mankind and give his life. He knows he's about to receive the cat of nine tails on his back 39 times. He knows they're going to you know, crucify him naked on a cross. He knows all this is about to happen and he starts thinking about it. He says, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. The cup can't pass. Come on. That's why he came, Jesus. That's why he came. Mm. Many times things get get rough and we say, Lord, let this cup pass. I'm going I'm to go the easy way. Mm-hmm. Cup can't pass. Come on. He says, nevertheless, 
Jesus got it together. For a minute, he was tripping. Yeah. Jesus on. got it together. He's like, wait a minute. Preach. This is why I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. Nevertheless, Preach. not my will, yeah. but yours. Let it be done. Yeah. Yeah. He got up, brushed his gum off, and he said, here they are. Let's go. So we have to have that constantly, a constant, nevertheless, not my will today, Lord, but your will be done. And there's so much joy in that. There's so much peace and freedom and surrender. Sounds like it shouldn't, shouldn't work that way, but it does. When you surrender and you let go, wow, it takes all the pressure off you. Then it's just, you're just left to walk it out like Jesus did. How did Jesus do it? How did he do it? Said for the joy set before him. He endured the cross, despising the shame. He set his eyes on the joy that was set before him. See, that's what we have to do. We have to set set our sights on the joy. Okay, right now this is rough. Right now this is discipline kicking in. You know, to be at at Celebrate Recovery on Tuesday nights, I'd rather lay on the couch and watch a movie that doesn't no good. Is that your flesh talking to you? Come on. But no, I'm going to get up and get dressed. I'm going to do the work. I'm going to do the discipline to get my life to the next level. Amen? Amen. Wednesday nights. Yeah, I went last night to celebrate recovery. But Wednesday night, I'm going to go again. Why? Well, I want to be empowered. So for the joy set before me, you know, yeah, I'm going to get dressed. It's been a long day. Tired. I'm going to grab something. I'm going I'm to do, do the work. Getting up, getting on the prayer call. Getting up, spending time with God. It's part of my new discipline. And for a minute, your flesh is going to fight with you. Say, ooh, let this cup pass this morning. Just let me find a reason to not have to get up and get on that prayer call. Let me sleep in. Just remember that's your flesh talking. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we, have to, we have to get ourselves by the back of our own neck sometimes. Say, hey, come on now. Flesh, you're not, you're not ruling me. I don't know you nothing. Amen. Luke 12, 1 through 2. says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. You know, Paul, there's not a greater example of a person just flipping from being one person one day and another person the next. He was on the road to Damascus. He was a Christian killer. The early church that Jesus had just begun to build, new believers, believers that really believed, really were you know, putting their lives on the line. He would go drag them into court and drag them and, and you know, make sure that he was Stephen. Stephen was stoned while Saul, Paul held their coats. He held their coats while they, while they uh, stoned him, killed him. Amen. One of the strongest believers, full of, the, full of the Holy Spirit, Stephen stood up and proclaimed God's word. And Paul was the guy who stood and watched him be stoned to death. So would you say Paul was kind of messed up? Yeah. <laughs> but, but Jesus had a plan for his life. Yes, he, he said he was on his road to Damascus to go find some more Christians he could mess with. And on the way, Jesus, just a, a blinding light covered him, and he, he fell down to the, to the ground. And he said, Lord, Lord, who are you? He said, who are you? He says, it's me, it's Jesus, the one you're persecuting. As soon as he knew who he was, his next words are astounding. 
Acts 9, 6, so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? That's the question we want to ask every day. Lord, what do you want me to do? In every situation, Lord, what do you want me to do? It's surrendering in every decision, everything that we do. Acts 9, 6, then the Lord said to him, arise, go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Don't think God is not talking to you all day, every day. Amen. As, as much as we can listen, God is talking. Yes. Amen. <clears throat> and when you're sensitive like that, I mean like every billboard, everything you see, it's like you see him in everything. Mm-hmm. He's talking to us. So this man who was the enemy of, of God, God brought such a revolution to his life through surrender. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Yes, Lord. Two-thirds of the New Testament <clears throat> is him writing letters to the church to encourage them. Wow. Yes. The same church that he was... Persecuting. Persecuting. Come on. That, those churches became his baby. Huh? Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. It's filled with letters of Paul growing the church, correcting the church, putting the church back on track. It's amazing. Number four, yielding to his will or his ways creates an opportunity for fruitfulness. Sometimes... God asks you to do stuff that just doesn't make sense. You don't understand. Like in this situation right here, Peter Peter is a great example of this. Peter um, had just finished fishing all night. If you're a fisherman, you know what you're doing, right? He was a professional fisherman. Like what's that show, Wild Tuna? What's it called, Wild Tuna? Wicked Tuna. Wicked Tuna. And then what's the other one when they catch crabs up in Alaska? Deadly Catch. Love those shows. I mean, those guys know what they're doing. And they're a rough bunch, aren't they? Yes, they are. They are a rough bunch. I love watching them. Love it, love it, love it. So you can imagine that Peter was a rough guy. So he's just finished um, fishing all night, has caught nothing. So you know how you can get attitude when you ain't caught nothing, right? Yep. Ain't caught anything. That's his livelihood. Caught nothing. Zero. Zero. Come on, but the nets still get full of garbage and full of stuff. So they had parked their boats and had walked over and they were washing their nets out. They had left the boats and they'd gone to wash out the nets. And here comes Jesus and he just gets in the boat. He didn't ask nobody, he just got in the boat. So Peter comes back, I'm sure he's like, oh, who's this guy? What are you doing in my boat? But he didn't say anything. Jesus just said to him, push out from the shore a little bit. So he pushed out from the shore a little bit. And Jesus sat in the boat and he taught the multitudes on the shore because the water would kind of carry his voice. So Jesus taught the multitudes from Jesus' boat. He used Jesus' boat. I mean, Jesus, he used Peter's boat. And so when he had finished speaking, he said, Peter, launch out into the deep for a catch. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Don't make no sense. Peter's like, you're a good preacher, but I'm the fisherman here. <laughs> We just, we fished all night and we didn't catch anything. We were washing our nets and nets are all folded and clean. I mean, it takes a long time to get those nets folded and clean and ready. So when you throw them out, they act right. You know, when you throw them out, they got to come out a certain way. So it takes a while to fold them. You know, every launch is strenuous. We fished all night and we didn't catch anything. This is not the time of day for catching fish, Jesus. Come on, Pastor, make it plain. Luke 5, 5 through 6, he says, Master, we toiled all night, caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, underline that. 
Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. You know, it's like tithing. Tithing doesn't make any sense. Give t- your 10% to the church or give, give offerings to the church when it looks like, you know, you're in need. But see, God, that's exactly how he blesses your life. He says, try me now in this and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing. You'll not have room enough to receive it. See, it doesn't make any sense. But when, when you do his word, that's when you get the results of the word. You have to be a doer. So he said, nevertheless, at your word. Say it again, at your word. I will let down the net. And when they had done this. They caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So yielding to the voice of God, or the ways of God, can create even financial fruitfulness in your life. Murray's going to be teaching us about that on some Wednesday nights. So Peter's business blew up. He caught two boatloads of fish. He had to call for another boat to come over and help him get. He caught so many fish that two boats were almost sinking. A net-breaking, boat-sinking anointing. Because he said, nevertheless, at your word. Amen. Praise God. Matthew 6, 33 in the Amplified says, But seek, aim at, and strive after, first of all, his kingdom and his righteousness. We're in first things, first February, right? So the kingdom of God is first in our heart, in our minds. His ways of doing and being right. And then all these things. So when we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it says all these things taken together will be added to you besides. There's a favor and a grace that comes on your life when you put the kingdom of God first and you seek first his righteousness. When you seek first to do his will. When you seek first to do the word. Come on, Pastor. There's a favor that comes on your life. Yes. You can't get any other way. Come on. Amen. Um, you know, there, there, I had a, a, pre, a pet prairie dog. You'll ever see those. They're the cutest things you have ever seen. A prairie dog. It's like a little uh, squirrel with no tail. He's got a little tail that kind of goes like that every now and then. They're so cute. Can I give you one? No, 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 no. I gave one to Brenda. But, um, but this prairie dog, when you come in, they sit up and they go, Woo! Woo! Because they're so excited to see you. That's how they reach you when you come in. So I kept it in a cage. They were real smart. She got to where she could reach her little hand. They had like little hands. Kind of like a raccoon. They got little hands. So she reached her little hand out and she learned how to unlock the cage. And I knew she could unlock the cage and I didn't fix it or put some wire around it so she couldn't do that. And I felt responsible. She got out. She got outside the house. I couldn't find her anywhere. So I got on my knees outside the cage and I just prayed, God, I'm, I'm so sorry that I did not do my part. I feel bad that I didn't do my part. And I ask you to forgive me. Because the Bible says the righteous man regards well the life of his animal. So even God says you shouldn't mistreat animals. Amen. So um, I said, Father, I ask you for an angel to bring her back. Whatever it takes, God, I just ask you to fix this situation with my prairie dog. That you bring her back and keep her safe in Jesus' name. Well, um, that day, later on that day, maybe it was like, oh yeah, it was like three days later. I was going down to the barn where we um, had horses and we had community service workers. And I felt the Spirit of God say, well, just take some tracts, some gospel tracts, and pass them out to the workers. And so I got there, and I did something else, and I forgot to pass out the tracks. So I was leaving, and the Holy Spirit reminded me, you didn't pass out the tracks. So I was like, ah. So I turned around and went back. And when I got there, there was a big commotion in the back, and all the dogs were running in one direction. And uh, uh, the, the worker down there said, hey, um, come and see. There's some kind of animal. I'm like, what kind of animal? He said, it's, a, it's a, a, some kind of prairie dog. I'm like, oh. 
So I ran like one woman, jumped over two fences, got to where the dogs were just about to kill my little pet, got between them, picked her up, grabbed her, and was able to take her home. And uh, she had lost a lot of weight in three days, but she stretched and got in her bowl and went to sleep like it wasn't nothing. But the moral of the story is I put the kingdom of God first. And I was in the right place at the right time to get the answer to my prayer. Amen. Put the kingdom first. Seek first and all these things will be added unto you. Praise God. It's a favor and a grace you can't get any other way. Number five, his presence in my life produces his nature in me. His presence in my life. When I open my heart for God to move in, his nature comes with him. It begins to manifest in me where I used to be harsh, where I used to go off. I find myself being more patient. I find myself holding my tongue. Anybody else? It's hard to hold your tongue sometimes. It's hard to not just go off. It's hard to not be. But his nature comes in. You're surprised at yourself. Did I really just smile and say thank you when I wanted to just punch him? See, because you still get involved in frustrating situations. Just because you're saved doesn't mean you don't. We go through the same stuff, you know. We have to, you know, we have to really kind of conquer our flesh in some areas. But Galatians five twenty two. But the fruit of the Holy Spirit, He moves in, and this is the fruit that we begin to bear like a tree. It's proof that He's there. The work which His presence within accomplishes is love, joy, peace, patience. Woo, put a circle around patience right there. Don't pray for it. Don't pray for patience. Oh, let me just give you a warning. Don't pray for patience unless you're ready. You pray for patience, you're going to have lots of pop tests. So don't pray for, don't, don't pray for patience. Unless you're ready. Just when you got a test, just say praise the Lord and make it through. Amen? Patience, kindness, goodness. Goodness, kindness. Kindness, goodness. Kindness. Faithfulness. Gentleness and self-control. Amen. So let's look at number two. What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with it? Y'all know that song? What's love got to do with it? What's love but a second hand emotion? What's love got to do
And anybody who comes to God must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, right? That's what his word says. So without faith, we can't please him. So we've got to have faith, right? Hope. We've got to have hope. Why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So with no hope, i got no faith. So i got to live in faith. i got to live in hope. But he says... The third thing we live in is in love, these three. But the greatest, which I'll underline greatest, the greatest of these is what? Love. The greatest is love. Because I don't care how much hope you have, if you ain't got love, it doesn't mean anything. If you got, if you got big faith that you can move a whole mountain, but you don't have love, it, 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 you're still nobody. Look what it says in John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. You know, we're focused towards Valentine's Day on Thursday. We'll be expressing our love to our sweethearts and to, you know, everybody we know. So this is a time that we focus on love. But Jesus said, this is a commandment. I give you love one another as I have loved you. How did Jesus love? Woo! Unrestrained. Yes. Passionately. Yes. Sacrificially. Yes. Look at how he loved. He held nothing back. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Number two, he asks us to passionately love God, <coughs> love others, and love ourselves. Passionately love God. He doesn't want a halfway love. You know God's after your heart. It doesn't matter how much you serve him if your heart's not involved. Because you can serve with the rough hands of duty and never allow the compassion of God to flow through you. The real love of God. Focus on the fact that Jesus loves this person and wants to touch this person. And if he can use me in any way, Lord, here I am. Here are your hands. These are your hands. Amen. Amen. Passionately love others. So passionately love God. Love others and love ourselves. He wants us to love ourselves. Luke ten twenty seven. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. So underline neighbor, underline self, and underline God. Because he's asking us to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then that makes it easy to love others and to love ourselves. Amen. We have to love ourselves if we're going to be able to love. If, we're, if love is going to flow through us, we have to love ourselves. Yes. And you know, like I said, life can beat us up. We can go through some pretty terrible stuff. And you know, we can be left. You know, somebody might leave you. Somebody might cheat on you. Somebody might mess you over. You might have a parent who didn't care about you. Um, you know, maybe a parent was uh, abusive towards you. It'll make you feel like, well, I must not be good enough to love. Mm. You go through life a broken person. So you got to get that straight that God loves me. Yeah. I'm accepted in the beloved. Of, if every other person has done me wrong on this earth, I know there's one who loves me, and his name is Jesus. Jesus. Amen. So we, so we got to love ourselves, and we got to love our neighbor. But I like the order that God, that's what I love about God, is that if you look in the details of his word, we love God first, 
We love others than we love ourselves. If we don't put ourselves above God, we don't put ourselves above loving on, others. Pastor. And that's what real respect yes. is in a marriage, that you care more about the other person's feelings than your own. Yes. Now, you can't do that a long time where your feelings are not considered. Amen. We'll talk about that as we move on to fruitfulness in, in marriages. You have to meet one another's needs, but that's one way is that you give yourself sacrificially and you respect another person enough to care about their needs. Amen? Amen. So you have to sometimes put others above yourself. Amen. Any parent can tell you this, right? Because it comes with the territory. Amen. So what does this love mean in the Greek? Agape love. It's agape. Because there's several words uh, for love in the, in the Bible, but this one is agape love. It means affection, benevolence. It means, I thought this was awesome, a love feast. A feast of charity. Now look at the difference between a feast and a meal. Because you can just zip through and get something to eat. That's just a meal. But a feast takes time, takes planning, takes preparation. A lot of love goes into preparing a feast. I'm not talking about a hamburger through the drive down. I'm talking about turkey and ham and dressing and collard greens and mashed potatoes and, 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 and uh, macaroni and cheese and green beans and pie and some cake and some cookies. I'm talking about a so that's that's different than just grabbing a salad quick through the drive through That's a feast. See, God wants us to love. It's love like a, a feast. A love feast. Yet, you know, that's how God has loved us. Like a feast. Amen. So number three, loving others is the overflow of our relationship with God. That's what others need from us. Yeah. Listen to me. Other people need God's love to overflow through us. Yeah. Through us. His nature begins to take shape in us. Romans 5, 5. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. You know, I love to read some of the quotes by Mother Teresa. And this one absolutely was awesome. She gave her life caring for the the unwanted, the poor people in Calcutta. And I love what she said here. She says, when you know how much God is in love with you, then you can only live your life radiating that love. Ooh, that's powerful. John 3.16 in the Amplified says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the Lord, the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. I love what she said right here. She says, we cannot all do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Wow. She was late. I heard a story about where she was late for a tour one time. She had been visiting a hospital with the poorest of the poor, sick people with no medicine, no real medicine. It wasn't a real hospital. It was a place where they kind of laid people and did what they could, but people who had serious illnesses, there was really nothing that, that they could do for them. And she was had another appointment right after this hospital visit that she had gone to, and she was very late getting to this next appointment where the TV cameras were going to be there. It was going to be a big, a, a big uh, news thing for, for this place that, that she was going to see. They, they were really wanting to get some publicity out of it. But Mother Teresa was on a love mission. 
So she's late getting there, and by this time, the guy's real aggravated. He's like, well, come on, we got to get us back on schedule. If we skip this and do that, you know, and we, you know, you're so late. She looked up at him with a sweet little smile, and she said, I've just come from such and such hospital where there was a man who was dying. And he asked me if I'd hold him while he died. You don't mind that I did that, do you? Puts things in perspective. So what I like about her, she puts things in perspective. Here's another quote from Mother Teresa. People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of, of, of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it's between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. First Corinthians 14.1 Eagerly pursue. Underline that. Eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim, your, your great quest. First Corinthians 16. Watch. Stand fast in the faith. Be brave. Be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. Let all that you do be done with love. Let all that you do be done with love. 1 Corinthians 12, 31, and Paul said, And yet I show you a more excellent way. He was talking about spiritual gifts and how we've all got these gifts. And we get so caught up on the gifts that we have. Yeah. And we don't focus on really what matters. And what really matters is love. He says, I show you a more excellent way. And the very next thing that, that he writes to the Corinthian church is this. In 1 Corinthians 13, and the, I, I added some of the message translation. It says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels... But have not love, God's love in me. I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Now, give all my goods to the poor? Give my body to be burned? The last thing that I have? Profits me nothing without love. Verse 4, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Doesn't have a swelled head. Doesn't force itself on others. Isn't always me first. Doesn't fly off the handle. Doesn't keep score of the sins of others. One translation says, does not take into account a suffered wrong. Doesn't revel when others grovel. Takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth. Puts up with anything. Trusts God always. Always looks for the best. Never looks back. But keeps going to the end. Love never dies. Amplified says love never fails. Never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. I saw, I saw a story on the news yesterday. The title of the, of the story was A Jolt of Kindness. It's about a woman who started a coffee shop near Chicago. Uh, she was a nanny but became a coffee shop owner. And this place is just buzzing. It has just really caught on there in her little niche, her little area of town. 
And what she started to do, y'all all know the little the little things that go on your coffee cup, those little sleeves. sleeves. She just started writing little messages on those, like, have a great day, have a nice day. Or um, it evolved into something. People loved it so much. They'd say, well, what'd you write on my cup? It turned into something so awesome. She started saying things like, give a homeless person a blanket today. Mm. Pay for someone's coffee. Write a letter or send a card to someone who needs encouragement. Take some food to the local food bank. And she, she said, post it on social media when you do. So people are, are getting involved and doing nice things for people and, and sharing it on Facebook, uh, social media, which is causing other people to get involved and to want to do those things. And there's really just a sense of joy that comes when you do that that you can't get anywhere else. Amen. Thank you, Lord. She uses her tip jar to randomly, she, get, she uses the tip jar to go to the grocery store and randomly pay for people's groceries. All right. People are ready to check out. Little mom, who's a single mom trying to make it with her, with her kids in the basket, trying to figure her budget. And she steps up and pays from the tip jar for their groceries. Wow. And then there was a homeless man that they, they got together and they bought him a bicycle. And about two years later, they didn't think much of it after that. They didn't see him anymore. But two years after that, he came back and she didn't even recognize him. He said, I want you to know what you did changed my life. Because of that bicycle, I was able to get a job. And because I had a job, I was able to get an apartment. My life has been changed. Because you bought me a bicycle. Small things with great love. How much is a bicycle? Wow. Number four. And this is a big one. Love chooses mercy instead of judgment. Chooses. Love chooses. You know, love is not a feeling. It's not about feeling like it. But love chooses mercy instead of judgment because your feelings will get you to act the wrong way. But when I choose love and choose God's way, I'll choose mercy rather than judgment for others because that's what others need from me. They need mercy. Just like I need the mercy of God. Others need mercy from me because why? We're not perfect. God chose mercy over judgment for you and me. So the best gift you can give to other people is something that a lot of times they don't deserve. That's forgiveness. Mercy. My dad was abusive. When I was a teenager, he used to hit me in the face and call me stupid. He held my sister by the ankles and kicked her in the face until I thought he was going to kill her. A terrible dad. Terrible dad. Brilliant man, but a terrible dad. And uh, I ran away from home. Never came and even looked for me. How many of you know? I had to deal with rejection. I had some stuff I had to deal with. But but my dad, as I got older, I could have had the attitude, you know what? You owe me nothing, I owe you nothing. Adios. But the day that I got saved, I called my dad. and said, Papa, I want you to know that I forgive you for everything you ever did. And for the rest of my life, I'll treat you like it never happened. 
And when he died, he deserved to die by himself like all the nights that I was homeless on the streets as a teenager because I had nowhere to live. He should have been just as by himself as I was. That's what judgment says, right? All right, Pastor. But mercy said, he needs me right now. And I drove to Louisiana and I was by his side. My hand was on his chest when his heart beat for the last time. And I said, Papa, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. And I'm looking forward to seeing him in heaven. And, and he's not broken. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. Love chooses mercy. My mom never came to get me. For years I thought, why wouldn't she, why won't she come get me? And when I got older, God asked me, why won't you, why won't you honor your mother? My answer to God was honest, brutally honest. I said, she's never done anything for me. He said, weren't you born out of her body? <laughs> yes, I was. But when you honor her, you honor me because I've commanded you to honor her. Yes, sir. So when my mom got sick, I had her to come and live with me at my house and I was able to take care of her. And God gave us back something I never would have gotten any other way. If I hadn't chosen mercy, I could have said, you never done anything for me. You being sick is not my problem. Y'all see the difference in the attitude? But I saw it as an opportunity. I brought her in. I made her breakfast every morning. I fixed her coffee. I found some kittens and brought them in. So she had kittens. She loved kittens. And it was, I wouldn't take anything for that time that I had with her. Because God gave me back some stuff I couldn't have gotten any other way. All right. Amen. Amen. Love chooses mercy. We, we use Joseph as a backdrop for being fruitful. Because Joseph was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Joseph could have been bitter, but he chose to get better. And he used every opportunity to grow into the leader that God wanted him to be. Separated from his father and from his family. He, even though he could have been so hurt and traumatized by what happened, he chose to love anyway. Anyway, when his brothers were starving to death and came to Egypt and found him, he said, come here and give me a hug. You uh-huh. meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. Yeah. I ain't mad at you. Come here. Go get daddy. Y'all come on back and live here. Y'all, y'all live in the best, the best land of Egypt. Mm. Joseph was a fruitful bough. Genesis 49, 22. Joseph is a fruitful vine. A fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. Why does it say climb over a wall? Because over on the, on the other side of the wall, he's a blessing to others. Amen? So we're a blessing, you know, in our own lives, but a blessing to others. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility, but his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel. Praise God. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's gone onto the good ground of our hearts, Lord, that it is the soil of a surrendered spirit, God. We surrender to you. And Lord, we just thank you that this, this word has taken root like a seed. Father, we'll be careful to water it this week. We'll be careful to fertilize it this week. We'll be careful to follow it up with prayer and with time in your word and just soaking in your presence, God. So Lord, we declare a hundredfold return on this word in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We know that as we've heard your word, um, Lord, we've been reminded if we're not in fellowship with you, if we're outside your will, God, we have to get ourselves to you. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, Pastor Sally, I know I'm not right with God. I've I've been on the outside looking in. I've been searching around. I've been looking. I've been wondering. Or I've, I've, I've gone my own way. Or maybe you've just never accepted Christ. 
See, the, the truth is, is that we're in a perishing predicament without Him. Because the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. We didn't ask to be sinners, but we are. We are. Because when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they disobeyed God. They died spiritually and their DNA was infected with sin. Every person from then on has been infected with sin. From the time you're a little kid, you learn how to be deceptive, right? You don't know how. All of a sudden, your two-year-old breaks out with a lie. Who taught you how to lie? Or they steal something. Or the most powerful word they learn is mine. Mine. That selfish nature. See, sin is in us. So we've all sinned to come short of the glory of God. And then the, the next scripture says that the wages or the penalty of sin is death. So there's two ways you can pay for your sin. You can pay for it with an eternal separation and, and spiritual death from God forever. Or you can accept the free gift of salvation is that Jesus died in your place. He was innocent. We were guilty. But he took our guilt and nailed it to the cross. Amen. So that through him we can be saved. It's a free gift, but it wasn't free. It cost Jesus his life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So here's your opportunity this morning. You felt God tugging at your heart this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray and connect with God in a, in, in a real and meaningful way. By just simply saying a prayer and asking Him to come into your heart. Giving Him the wheel. I did it when I was 31 years old. I knelt in my closet, threw my hands in the air and said, I'm through running from you. You can have my life. I'm, I'm done doing it my way. I give you my heart, my life at all. And from that day forward, God has done an amazing work in my life. Amen. So with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. If you mean it in your heart, your life is about to change. If you stay on track, you're making a decision to connect, and then you just got to make a decision to continue to connect through your church, through the Bible, through studying the Word, and through prayer. You just continue to stay connected and don't quit. God will never quit on you. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. And it starts with a simple prayer today. And so here we go. We're going to pray. Father, we thank you for hearing us always when we pray. Lord, we know you're especially interested this morning as we begin to give our hearts to you. Some for the first time and some are turning back around to you, God. Where they walked away. God, you always throw your arms open for us, whatever the situation is. And so here we are. So just repeat this prayer after me. Say, Father, I confess to you that I am a sinner. I have messed up. Sometimes on purpose. And sometimes, I'm sure I just didn't know. But I'm sorry. I come to you this morning. With my whole heart, I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I believe that Jesus died on that cross to pay for my sins. And I believe that you raised him from the dead on the third day. Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I'm through running. I give you everything that I have and everything that I am. 
Teach me. Guide me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I'm trusting you alone to save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, something happened on the inside of you. The Bible says you've just been born again. That your spirit has come alive to God and you are now born again. You're part of his family, part of the kingdom, part of the family of God. And uh, you have to let somebody know. Nobody gets to sneak into heaven. Amen. you got to let somebody know. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. And the way that we do that here for right now, it's going to change soon. Connection's going to get a whole lot more meaningful.